0: 906 at WPTF Radio AM 680 and FM 98.5 on the night of June 14th in the year 2021. And June 14th, like a lot of days, I used to do a uh, kind of an almanac for a program on WPTF that it was about every day what had happened on that day. This was back when in the 90s when Lowell Shoemaker was here, and instead of having talk shows on, we had uh, bang, bang, bang news, kind of like it's on in the morning now. And then stuff, and one of the features we had was the almanac of the day. And so every day seems like, to me, something, something special. But today seems extra special, and it, in fact, is because it's June 14th, and that is Flag Day. And for about the last 15 years, at least, we have celebrated Flag Day, maybe more than that, uh, with two gentlemen. We, we weren't able to do it last year because of... Uh, uh, changed circumstances, having to do with COVID and other things, and we we are doing it uh, with with yours truly this week uh, and this year as a part of our nostalgia programs. But uh, uh, a gentleman named Hank DeGree and a gentleman named Jerry Jester, both of whom were Boy Scout leaders uh, many years ago, I went out looking for somebody who knew about. Uh, the flag and the use of it and so on, and I found it with the American Boy Scouts and and those two gentlemen, and they were good enough to come. And and, uh, if they're listening, I'll uh, wish a shout-out to them tonight and thanking them for coming so many years. But tonight is going to be yours truly, talking about the flag, the the American flag, that was uh, created in uh, 1777 on this date. And before we go further with that, I discovered today something that I never knew before, and that is two years before that, on the same day, June 14th, in the year 1775, that is the day that is supposed to be the official day, the birthday of the United States Army. So we, we salute the United States Army tonight, too. We, we're getting a lot of anniversaries in world time, but this is also Flag Day, and it was chosen as the day because it was the day on which the Continental Congress There was no United States yet. Uh, uh, There were just a group of states loosely held together, mostly at this time by the fact that they were confronting a war with the British, and uh, that war would 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 go on, and uh, Yorktown would come around in uh, 1781, and then they would uh, have the Articles of. Uh, Confederation, and it would work out and they would end up writing a constitution that was promulgated in 1789 and we've been operating under that constitution ever since. But that's another history course. Tonight we recognize, because it is Flag Day in America, and it's almost over now, and I hope that sometime today you uh, recognize the flag. I started thinking this afternoon about things that had to do with the flag and uh, so I could, could do a little bit of a Meditation on the flag tonight. And I think if you go, John, you'll appreciate this. John Solder is our producer, and I always like to tip the hat to him somewhere along the way. That uh, if you go to the Goldsboro High School uh, yearbook for 1961, there is a picture in, in the front of the student government and the different committees uh, of, of the student government. There's a the president, a vice president, and different committees that are supposed to do different things and plan different things. And one of the committees is the flag committee. And it was, the picture was taken outside at the base of the flag in front of the school with a couple of people holding the flag. And Lord, help me, one of them is yours truly, Tom Kearney, because that year I happened to be, because I've always been interested in the flag and in flags was chairman of the flag committee. I'll have to admit that I didn't work too hard, and one reason I wanted to be the chairman of the flag committee was that I liked it, and the other was that we didn't have to do too much. Uh, but I, I was also an, uh, an AV geek and a football manager and things like that, and once in a while I actually participated in being a student, or I wouldn't have gotten here by this time. But uh, that that demonstrates, the reason for mentioning only a long-term interest in, in the flag, and uh, the United States flag. and. Uh, going to talk a little bit about the flag tonight, and we're actually going to hear a little bit of the Star-Spangled Banner. I, I debated over whether to play the shortened version, which is the version that is usually played at the beginning and the end of things, or at a football games or baseball games or whatever. It's usually just a, the, the first verses, but there are actually, I think, four verses to it, and usually only one is played, if I remember correctly, And uh, but it, it, it is the story of the flag in a particular situation, and it has symbolized the situation of the United States as they had become by 1814 so well that it ultimately became the national anthem. It was actually written, as you know, as a poem by Francis Scott Key, who had. Uh, uh, it was during the the war, what is called the War of 1812, when the British were bombarding uh, Fort McHenry, which is at the entrance to Baltimore Harbor trying to reduce the city of Baltimore, which was uh, the third most populous city and one of the centers of trade. It was near Washington, but it was bigger, much bigger than Washington was and much more of an economic center. Washington had, I think, if I remember correctly, recently been burned. Part of it had the the White House and uh, the president and his lady, Dolly Madison, had been forced to flee. Uh, This was in September of 1814. Now, I can assure you that everything's going to be all right because by the year, by the end of 1814, the war will be over. But that's occasioned of Francis Scott Key going out on a British ship to try to gain the release of some American prisoners, and he was not released. The Brits decided to keep the people that were there until after they had reduced Baltimore, until after they'd won the battle, if nothing else. And so he was out there on the ship, there was no radio, no TV, no walkie-talkie, no cell phones. And so the way he st- stood to understand what was happening and who was winning the battle was by looking at the fort and uh, trying to discover uh, if the flag was still flying. And that's the way things were done in those days. That's one of the reasons flags end up being in battles. And and uh, the, the the knights of, of yore were... Uh, the the, the uh, coats of arms of their uh, their participants so somebody could tell who they were and the flags would show you where certain units were and so on. Well, Francis Scott Key, as you know, this is an old story. Most people know it, but some people don't. And he, he ended up seeing uh, when the morning came that the flag was still there and that meant that the, the uh, Americans had held on to the fort and the British had not reduced it. And ultimately, he got to go back to land. And he wrote a poem that is actually what we call the Star-Spangled Banner. And uh, it, he didn't write any music to it. Uh, and the truth is, the poem was adapted to some music that was uh, tuned, that was sung in British music halls and uh, pubs a lot when guys would get around. You got to remember, there's no TV in those days. So what you do for a little entertainment at night? You go down to the pub, have a few. Or, or A.O. or whatever and then you start singing and celebrating and, and there are some old songs that people sing and one of the tunes was uh, uh, a tune that was adapted to the, uh, to the Star-Spangled Banner. So if you just hear the, the, the music, uh, that's what you're hearing, is a barroom song that it has become, it was officially made the National Anthem in 1931. But I think it was generally recognized over time, more and more so, and particularly uh, during the patriotism that rose up Came the Star-Spangled Banner. Now, there is no law that says it has to be played before football games or basketball games. In fact, I think the baseball people just started doing it on their own in an effort to be to contribute to the patriotism and stuff that flowed out of World War One. But uh, there is no law that is required to to be played. It was it was a choice, and it's uh, that's where most people hear it. And as a matter of fact. Uh, I'm going to tell you what, my name is Tom Kearney, that I'm here every night, Monday through Friday, from 9 until 10, with uh, the Tom Kearney Show, where we have a uh, a lot of different things that we talk about. And tonight we're talking about the fact that this is Flag Day, if you missed it. I did not go out today, so I can't tell you if there were people who put their flags out and so on. I stayed home and stayed cool and had a lot of work to do. Uh, and it's been been my my... Uh, habit, uh, particularly over the last year, to stay at home because of the COVID situation and and, and I don't mind it uh, because I get a lot lot more work done, but I can't tell you if the flags were flown and and so on today or or whatever, but I I hope they were. Maybe you can give us a call if you noticed anything in particular at 919-860-9783 and tell us your reaction and what you, you saw today. Maybe you were disappointed that you didn't see any flags. But when we come back, from uh, this break, uh, we're going to take a commercial break now. And when we come back, John Sauter has agreed, as our producer, to play the national anthem. One, because, mostly because it is really the story of the American flag and what it symbolizes historically. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the flag. And uh, later on in the program tonight, doing a little bit of an uh, encyclopedia thing, uh, we're going to talk about one of my favorite actors who died yesterday. And one of my favorite scenes. Nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. If you have any reaction to flags that you saw today or didn't see, maybe they were ragged, maybe they should have been taken down, maybe people weren't paying attention. Whatever. But we're gonna take a break and then we're gonna hear the star spangled banner. For the That out, John uh, Stuller is our producer, and he was kind enough to locate a copy of the uh, Star-Spangled Banner, the story of the flag, and and the story in the sense of well, that's that's the poem that Francis Scott Key wrote, and the meaning of the flag was the survival of the of the Union, and it uh, recognizes the uh, the Union still. Uh, I mentioned. Uh, that I was interested in flags when I was young and always was and and so on, so that I uh, uh, spent some time, you know, reading up on flags and flag etiquette, and one of my first jobs at WPTF was to be the producer for uh, the nighttime talk show, the the predecessor of, of the show that we actually host, the Tom Kearney show. Bart Redner had originated the show back in the 60s, and a woman named Barbara Heisler had become the the host of it in the 1980s, and one night she said to me, Tom, I need to get somebody who knows about the flag. I want to do something special on Flag Day. And I said, I'm your man. And I had read books on flags and flag etiquette and what you're supposed to do. And I bring this up mostly to point out that the flag etiquette has changed a little bit since uh, the, the 1970s and 80s. It was much more formal then. In fact, one of the things that you could ask a question about is, what are the four places in the United States that you can fly the flag at night? And now if you look at flag etiquette, it will say that if properly illuminated, you can fly a flag at night. Anybody can do that. but if you, And, and the illumination is to not have the flag standing out in the dark and to show respect for it. But at one time, and these are not really laws. It's just kind of a recommended etiquette that the, that the Congress... Produced of the way to treat the flag, and there's a there's a whole lot of material on it about things like where where does the flag uh, go in a room when you're having a, a ceremony or a lecture or something? Does it go on the right or the left? And if there are other flags present, what happens? Where does the flag go when you're marching? Where do you dip it? And and if you're flying a hanging a flag uh, horizontally? But there were uh, four places in the United States that supposedly had the right to fly the flag at night. And now, uh, if you looked at the etiquette, it would say that you, as long as you display it with respect, you can fly the flag day and night. But it means it needs to be illuminated, among other things. And the question of flying a flag in uh, inclement weather boils down to you can do it if it's an all-weather flag, but you don't do do it with a, a regular flag and let it get beat up. And, Everything, everything is designed to demonstrate what your attitude is toward the flag. And uh, I mentioned earlier, uh, J- uh, Hank DeGree was one of the two gentlemen who, who was a Boy Scout. And in fact, he had been, he had been a Marine, and he was telling a story one night. He had come by a post office in Wake County. No, I think it was in an adjoining county, but the, uh, the flag was. Uh, well the flag post in front of the post office was in bad shape and he went inside being a veteran and a, a boy scout and a person who and an American citizen. That's all he had to be and said, Do you your flag looks kinda of cruddy, I think you ought to take it down and the person sort of went like, Oh okay and uh, well he went out and uh, Hank did, if I remember correctly. Sometimes he listened, so maybe he could. story seems to be that she may have sewed it, but it was not her idea. A man named Francis Hopkinson, I think, is supposed to have come up with the idea. Betsy Ross was, in fact, a seamstress and may have sewn the stars on many flags. And In fact, she did come up with the idea when they came up with the stars. Stars, one star uh, of the 13 each representing a separate colony. They were still colonies, not states yet, because we didn't have the Constitution yet. Uh, but uh, she wanted them to be, I believe, five-pointed stars, which is, in fact, what they are, rather than six-pointed stars. I think they were easier to make or something like that. But uh, somebody who who creates uh, things and sews them on and makes flags, which she uh, almost surely did. But what she what, what is is the correction in the story is that she did not come up with the initial design for the flag, which she has given. I think George Washington went in and said, can you make me some of these? We need some flags. But that... Uh, Resulted from uh, promulgation by the Confederate, uh, the Continental Confederation in 1777 on June 14th. Hence, Flag Day is celebrated on June 14th. And it is June 14th, 2021, and we're going to hear the news, and then we'll be back. It's 934. Wait a minute, there it goes. It's 935 at WTCF. Tom Kearney the Tom Kearney Show for a Monday night and it is June the 14th it is flag day because on this date in 1777 the Continental Congress uh, knowing that George Washington and his troops were in much beleaguered troops by the way were in the field and needed something to to uh, be their flag and to represent them uh, designed in their minds a flag and and said that, that it would have uh, 13 Stripes alternating red and white and a, a field uh, up in the corner of blue, and on which there would be white stars, one for each uh, colony, which would be thirteen. and uh, gradually uh, that was turned into the flag that represented the the uh, united what became known as the United States. They would not be the United States until after the Constitution had been created uh, about ten, twelve years later, and actually uh, in uh, seventeen eighty nine. And George Washington became president, I think, in just uh, like April of 1789. In any event, uh, that's when the United States uh, came about. And for the first few years, uh, when new states entered, like uh, Vermont was not among the first states, nor was Tennessee when they became states. They added not only another star, we've got to get up to 50 stars now, but they added another stripe. But, as the years went by up into like uh, eighteen fifteen, they realized by adding some more uh, states that uh, the flag was going to become unwieldy if they keep kept adding stripes. so they in about eighteen eighteen, they decided to limit the number of stripes to thirteen representing the original colonies uh, the the original states who uh, accepted the constitution to begin with, and then They would add a star for each new state that was admitted, which has been the case since then. And uh, they recently have accomplished something in that And then for 47 years, there was not a new state, and that was the record. And then a couple of more states entered. That will be a trivia question, too. And then uh, there were no more states that entered. They they have talked about Puerto Rico becoming a state. They've talked recently about um, the Congress I'm in, and some people are for this, and some are again, about uh, D.C. becoming a state because the people in Washington, D.C., uh, don't uh, there's some, they've gotten some of the rights of citizens, like to vote and have a representative in Congress? But it's not a, uh, the the people in D.C. are not a part of any state. D.C. is a separate thing. It is not a state. It it is, was constructed on land that was given to the government by Maryland and Virginia. It was actually a diamond shaped or a square if you looked at it the right way, and eventually Virginia. Gave back the land that they got, but it, the what you know is the District of Columbia now is was once a part of the state of Maryland, and right across the river, and where, where would be part of what was, would be the Virginia part if they hadn't given it back is where Arlington National Cemetery is, and a lot of government stuff, the Pentagon, and et cetera. But that's in Virginia. And 1959. What I want to know is the two states that entered together in 1912 and the two states that entered in, well, in 1959 and in 1960. This should be very easy, but it will be interesting to see if you can get them in the right order in the case of the latter two. And they were entered, and the, the stars were added in 1959 and 1960 because they, they the pieces of paper that were voted on to admit them to the Union uh, were at different places, in, in fact, almost a year apart. And one of them is definitely the 49th state, and one of them is the 50th state. But I want you to tell me which one is which. Our telephone number, by the way, to see if you're awake, is 919-860-9783, wptf And uh, John... Before we, we take a break here, and while we are waiting to see if anybody's going to answer that question, I'm going to talk uh, about some friends of ours that I visit periodically. And Mrs. Kearney uh, as things have loosened up, has been driving her car recently, so I, we're going to have to make a visit pretty soon because we take our cars to King's Auto Service uh, at 1039 North West Street. It's West Street, and it's the northern part of it, downtown. And we have been doing that for a number of years now. With all the springtime stuff that we've had, all the pollen, uh, a lot of which gets washed off, of course, when we, when we have a rainstorm like we had last week, and all of the things like that that have preyed on our cars, it's a good time to use this as a reminder to take your vehicle to your garage. And in this case, we want it to be King's Auto Service for a spring checkup on items that need to be checked including wiper blades, and, in fact, I uh, had to have my battery checked recently, and and uh, the the uh, uh, mechanic, Daniel, who works on my car, said, Mr. Kearney, you need to get some w- wiper blades because yours have dry-rotted, and they look like they've been banged up a little bit during the winter. So there we go, and I got my battery fixed, too, and they, in fact, brought my car back to me. But abuse from the winter weather that we had last year. You might want to change your cabin air filter, which keeps the pollen that we've been talking about uh, out of the inside of the car, and you might want to make sure that your filters under the uh, the hood are are clean, too, because they they could affect the performance of the engine. You want to make sure that uh, with the upcoming hot weather, and we've had a taste of it now, that your uh, air conditioning is all in place. And if you have a Toyota Prius or any other hybrid vehicle, we always want you to know that the certified hybrid mechanics at King's are able to refurbish your high-voltage battery pack for less than a dealer would charge to replace it. Uh, They usually think this needs to happen at about 150,000 miles. Call King's tomorrow to schedule a courtesy battery analysis if you want. King's Auto Service and King's Correct Lube and a certified state inspection station are all right there together. Easy to find at 1039 Northwest Street in downtown Raleigh and at kingautomotive.net on the web. King's Auto Service in Raleigh. Is the most reliable auto care for you and me since 1946. June 14th, which is Flag Day, and we've talked tonight about the flag. We hope you focus your mind on it a little bit, and uh, we'll always remember hereafter uh, that you need to represent the flag. John was telling me, I hope he doesn't mind me, because you know, I think this is a nice thing. He went over to visit his parents this morning uh, and uh, his mother had put their flags out, and uh, that's a good thing. That's what sons are for. They're, they're there to help you do things as you get a little, get a little bit older and, along the way. And so, but uh, to remember to represent some interest in the flag, which is, in fact, the symbol of the country. And it ties back in with things we've touched on a little bit lately, like T-Day and Memorial Day which was just a couple weeks ago. I heard today that one of my favorite actors died. My favorite movie in the whole world is Dr. Strangelove. And my third, my second favorite movie is probably, and these are subject to change, is uh, American Graffiti. And my third favorite movie is called Network. And in some ways, it's my first movie. director of it, Sidney Lumet, this is not a movie, it is reportage and that is, he meant. It, it isn't a dramatization of something fictional but it's really a reporting of the way the world is and I sort of think sometimes it may be so I offer you the opportunity to however you look at movies that are not out right now, whether it's streaming from some source or buying a, a DVD or whatever to Watch Network which came out in 1970. Faye Dunaway, a man named Peter Finch who won an Academy Award for it, and the guy who died, Ned Beatty, who's one of my favorite actors and a character actor, an excellent character actor, and he has the one scene in it that uh, I have been wont to say is, but uh, well, I have tried to use it as a learning experience. It's hard to get anybody to learn anything, but uh, sometimes you've got to try newscaster, and he's gotten tired of the what he thinks is the BS of the news, and he goes and asks everybody to roll up their windows and say, I'm tired of this, and I ain't going to take it anymore. I may have cleaned it up a little bit, but that's all right. You know, know what's going on here, and that's what the story is about, because actually uh, it's played by an actor named Peter Finch, who died after the movie before he got his Academy Award, but he did get one. He plays a newscaster named Howard Beale, and he wants to alert uh, the population of watching a show that, uh, well, what people need to be alerted uh, from and uh, the news and what's going on in Washington and the Congress and the president and so on. And and he ends up uh, in a boardroom of a huge financial corporation in New York with a man played by Ned Beatty, who's the head daddy there. And... uh, Ned Beatty gives him a course in how the world is, and points out that uh, that you know all of this stuff that you you watch and take so seriously is a charade. Uh, whether it's liberal or conservative, it doesn't matter. Uh, one's not right and the other one wrong. It's a game, and uh, it's a distraction. Uh, and uh, the the world is actually run by global capitalism. And we're talking Royal Dutch Shell and. Not picking on any particular company but the, the big names that control huge economic Exxon would be one and, and so on then. and he needs to get that straight because if he keeps diddling in things the baby is telling him uh, talking to to Peter Finch, he's going to screw up the whole process and it screws along pretty well everybody's taking Ned Beatty had become famous to us, and John, my producer, and I talked about this before the show was on, and I'm sure anyone of you saw it, we could talk about it. Ned Beatty had been a Broadway actor. He's heavyset. He was not going to be the romantic lead of anything, but he was a good actor, and he was in a movie that is a famous movie. Mrs. Kearney and I went to see it at the State Theater on... Salisbury Street, when it used to be there, there's no theater. There's a parking deck there now. And the print was so bad, it broke two or three times in the first half of the film. So we went home. But I had seen enough. I I didn't need to to necessarily see any more. And it's about four guys who go on a hunting trip, a rafting trip, a boating trip. I, I I don't know what takes them out into the woods, but they're they're out in the wilderness in North Georgia, and they run into some of the locals, and uh, well. It gets interesting and entertaining and whatever. James Dickey, an American Southerner poet writer, wrote the the uh, the movie, and I will leave it for you there to go and watch that. But it made Ned Beatty famous. It made, famous. Uh, it made uh, among others, Burt Reynolds is in the movie. Uh, a guy named Ronnie Cox, and I can't think of who the other person is. Uh, but uh, and it is at the beginning you have the. The the contest uh, that is known as Dueling Banjos with one of the locals uh, who is uh, obviously come from an odd part of the gene pool and uh, I think it's Ronnie Cox who plays the guitar, but in any event it's a movie that you would want to see one time. I'm not sure you'd want to see it twice, but that's just my opinion. It's a free country after all. But, uh, But Ned Beatty was in a lot of other movies. He's in Superman. In fact, all the People who have paid respect to him since his uh, demise yesterday on the different television networks and so on have all spoken very highly of him and how well he was thought of. He he said he never wanted to be a star. He just enjoyed character acting because he didn't get to be typecast. He, He got to play lots of different kinds of roles. And indeed, some of the most interesting actors, some of the best actors, are in fact those people who become or graduate to what is called character acting. When the late George Brody and I used to do the movie program on Friday night, we once devoted uh, a couple of shows to great character actors that we had observed, and Ned Beatty was certainly one of them. He appeared in two or three episodes, by the way, of uh, The Rockford Files. He was a uh, the, the, the bad guy that Rockford was having to deal with. And, you know, Rockford was a kind of uh, exchange between a, a detective show and something was a little bit funny and the relationship between uh, Jim Garner and uh, Ned Beatty was, was a good one and so on but uh, hunt up a movie with Ned Beatty in it if you can I will recommend uh, uh, Network. Network is just a movie that you ought to see. It it will answer some questions about the world today that you may have that you haven't been able to find an answer to and it has William Holden and Faye Dunaway, both uh, good actor and good actress and uh, Ed Beatty, Peter Finch. Just before he died, he died after the movie was finished, but before the award ceremony. They came. You know, one time I was writing down movies that I liked, and one of the things that I noticed, because I was just picking the movies, was that rather many of them had William Holden in them. He was a great. I I, I liked him as an actor, and uh, but he was the star of Network along with Fay Dunaway. He was in Sunset Boulevard, uh, Stalag Seventeen. The Bridge on the River Kwai, uh, uh, movie, movie with Judy Holliday, Born Yesterday, I think is the name of it. He's uh, good in that movie, too. So I can recommend to, to use some William Holden movies to you. Well, that's the show for tonight. Uh, tomorrow night, we're going to talk about, uh, well, the, the schedule that we post on the website every day says that uh, Doug Maddox is going to talk about New Miss Maddox, and for lately, I'll give you a hint, Maddox is the Uh, one of the proprietors of Maddox coins and stamps, and that will indicate one of the things that we're going to talk about. That's tomorrow night here on WPTF.